Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest, which I think is going to happen tonight. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. And by Twitter, I mean X. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Windomain, and Cody Paulson, coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on X? Not well, Bob. Um, to, to quote a, a fairly famous meme, uh, you know, normally when we get on here, we've got good things to talk about or a good update to, to elaborate upon, uh, but not really much to talk about in a positive light this weekend. It was pretty much um, poor all the way around. I'm sure we'll dive into it. The fans can find me on Twitter slash X uh, or post at me or whatever the terminology is these days at the Cody Paulson. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. Terry, where can the fans find you on X? I can be found at Cushman MLB. And man, what a poop show since we don't swear on the show. Uh, Red Sox were two games back from the Toronto Blue Jays, undefeated against the Toronto Blue Jays, despite having two bullpen games on tap. Pavetta was to pitch the bulk. In one of them, he had Alex Manoa, who has been walking the whole world. I mean, this was a very favorable-looking series, uh, you know, coming into it and blew it epically. Epically blew it. Now five games back of that third wild card and back to last place in the American League East. So not a good weekend. Not fun. And I think the only person that's happy that they're not doing this right now is Micah, who on the other show had been dying to be on our, our side of things. And really, today has just been a real, real bummer. I admittedly had to turn off the game because it was just going from bad to worse. It was just awful. Uh, so without further ado, why don't you lead us away with your dud, Terry? Who is your dud? I am going outside the box for this one. Plenty of uh, dud-worthy people on the Red Sox, but my dud is actually Tim Anderson. And if you're on social media, especially Twitter, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter, by the way. You saw the shot heard around the world on Saturday night. He basically got knocked out by Jose Ramirez. And if you're unfamiliar with Tim Anderson, the guy's a punk. He's one of the biggest punks in Major League Baseball. April uh, 2019, he got suspended for calling Brad Keller, a Caucasian uh, Kansas City Royals pitcher, the N-word. Got suspended for that. April 2022 got suspended for giving the entire stadium the middle finger. 
Three months after that, summer of 2022, suspended for making contact with the umpire. And he's been involved in a lot of controversies. I forget which teammate uh, he accused of this, but I, I think it was in the 2018-2019 time frame. I, I tried looking this up, couldn't find it, but um, he basically accused his teammate of not being black enough during a, a controversy. And I, I the guy is just incredibly incredibly polarizing he was also involved in a um, controversy last season with Josh Donaldson admittedly Donaldson was the um, you know the agitator in that one but I think it's notable that the two most toxic guys on the field magically found each other and uh, were a part of a controversy and um, so then fast forward to this weekend, that's Tim Anderson, if, if you're not uh, familiar with him, but fast forward to this weekend, Friday night, uh, a young Indians player, I'm guessing he's a rookie, his last name is Roccio, uh, slid into second, Anderson was covering the bag, and Anderson kind of sweep tagged him with his glove and purposely, you know, moved Rachio's arm off the bag to try to very cheaply get an out. Okay. Now, number one, that that's a punk move. That's 1000% a punk move. And it, in my mind, it's cheating. So uh, the Indians, uh, guardians, excuse me, you know, took exception to that. Um, I want to say the, he was initially called out. It was later overturned, uh, safe, um, I might be backwards on that. Forgive me if I am. So that happened on Friday night. Then on uh, Saturday night, Jose Ramirez slid into second, uh, basically head first. And Anderson held his glove low so that it was basically going to go right into Ramirez's face. That's what happened. Uh, then he stood over Anderson. Uh, no, excuse me. He stood over Ramirez uh, while Ramirez was basically uh, laying across second base. Ramirez gets up. They have words. Blows get exchanged. Anderson got the worst of it. And uh, basically, he didn't get knocked out cold, but he it was a it was a pretty hard punch. He he was he was rocked pretty good and appeared to be rocked pretty good in the moments after that. Didn't play today. I'm curious is there maybe a concussion there? I don't know. Uh Jose Ramirez, one of the most celebrated players in the game. Um, you know, a very generationally talented player from the Dominican Republic, which is a very talent rich country we have Rafi Devers big poppy comes from there uh Manny Machado I want to say Juan Soto don't quote me on that but I'm fairly certain he's from the Dominican Republic so Ramirez you know one of the best uh in Major League Baseball so just a, a class act I don't recall any controversies in his career and he's been in the big leagues for a while he was on that 2016 World Series team so he, he's been around a little while and um, Anderson uh, got rocked, and uh, I, I loved every minute of it. Minute of it. If, if a player in baseball needed to get rocked, it's Tim Anderson. And the key line uh, from Jose Ramirez's interview, 
after the game was that Ramirez said Tim Anderson has been disrespecting the game for quite some time. And so, again, I, I loved it. Um, the Guardians, getting it right this time, radio broadcaster um, mimicked the legendary Howard Cosell call uh, from the Frazier-Foreman fight when Foreman drops Frazier and, and Cosell yells, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. Well, it was down goes Tim Anderson. Love that. And then the last thing I'll weigh in on that I think is probably one of the more hilarious aspects of it all. Back in 2012, Tim Anderson, not a major leaguer yet, uh, had a tweet, just a random tweet. He goes, I'm going to bed uh, or I'm going to sleep. And then a lot of Z's after it, you know, signifying he's going to sleep. Well, that tweet got dug up today. Uh, because, you know, fans are saying he went to sleep, you know, after that shot from Ramirez and Tim Anderson deleted the tweet. So can't handle social media, can't handle uh, Jose Ramirez and and I, he, he can't handle a lot of things. So uh, Tim Anderson, my dud for this weekend. Cody, I'm looking forward to talking about this one, but I want to hear your, your take. Yeah, I mean, geez, how can you add much after that? He kind of hit hit a lot of the bullet points down the list. Um, you know, Tim Anderson was a player that had been kind of celebrated up until this moment in time, right? You know, Terry obviously mentioned some of the things that um, has kind of come to light in, in recent uh, times. You know, obviously the scuffle with Donaldson, you know, he kind of has those punkish moves, but the highs of that walk-off home run against the Yankees in the Field of Dreams game, you know, he was on – USA, you know, Team USA, he's an American-born player. Like, there was a lot of reasons to be, you know, kind of in his corner, right? He's a, a guy from the States representing him, you know, the successes of baseball. He had swagger. He had personality. The White Sox were turning things around a little bit. Um, but you're absolutely right, Terry. The dude is a punk. And if you're going to be brandishing this personality all across the league, the last thing you can do is get knocked out, right? If you're going to be this type of guy that has that punkish behavior that is trying to do these gimmicky plays to get outs, you know, in unfair or cheap ways, you got to be ready and you got to be willing to deal with the repercussions. And, you know, he obviously very clearly wasn't uh, expecting it to come to blows, even though he got the hands up. Um, one thing I think we should mention, obviously, you know, he did not look like he was right coming off the field. He did stumble. He was helped. Um, you know, he was kind of propped up by his team there. So you hope that he's okay. He was deemed, uh, an off day or a scheduled rest day today, which was, uh, I think convenient as a manager decision, but, um, you know, maybe this kind of sets him on the straight and narrow. So Tim Anderson was, uh, you know, the, the culprit in dragging a handoff. It wasn't, it wasn't even remotely close to being a baseball play to me. That was the equivalent to seeing A-Rod slap the ball out of a pitcher's hand on the way to trying to go into first base. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was just running to first. Like, dude, stop. Just be quiet. Tim Anderson is has a bad reputation in baseball. He's not good for the game. He's not even good at the game. The guy is hitting under 250, has one home run on the year, is completely irrelevant, and is doing anything he possibly can to stay relevant. 
Honestly, this play, as much as Josh Donaldson is hated, probably made some people say, wow, maybe Josh Donaldson isn't that much of a jerk for you know his incident with, with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is trying so hard to be relevant when he's not. He's just, he's just not good. And I mean, here's the thing. Tim Anderson will always be remembered as the one who chirped and had someone in a headlock and then got slumped. Not a little bit, full out, laid out on the field and immediately got picked back up to make it look like he didn't get absolutely dropped. Jose Ramirez clipped that guy's chin so perfect. I mean, boxers can't even get it like that perfect. And here's the thing. Tim Anderson wants to square up. Dude, you got to keep your hands up, man. That's like the number one rule. Protect your face. Protect the grill. And he didn't do it. And honestly, this guy's 30 years old. I'd be shocked if he's in the game for another two years. I mean, with the way he's playing, this guy's an absolute bum. Chicago should be embarrassed to have him on their roster. T. It's interesting you say that because the other, perhaps even more legendary punch was the one Rugnet Odor landed on Jose Bautista. Now, Bautista was much older than... Uh, you know, Tim Anderson right now, but that was essentially the beginning of the end for Bautista. And you look at Anderson having one of the worst years of his career, negative 1.6 war right now. That's like, that's bad. That's bad. You can pull up Casas and um, definitely Duran and, and you're going to have a higher war. Um, I'm just wondering who's going to want Tim Anderson next year. He is a free agent this winter. Nobody seemed to want him in July. Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly both found homes out in L.A. Uh, Lance Lynn also good game tonight, you know, so maybe maybe L.A. has uh, fixed him like they fixed Brazier. But uh, but yeah, so who's going to want him? Would you want that level of toxicity in your clubhouse? I certainly wouldn't. Do you want Tim Anderson around all of your young players that are trying to come up? Like, do you think Tim Anderson's presence would have helped Tristan Casas during that ugly slump he had? I don't think so. I wouldn't want Tim Anderson around Jaron Duran. Dude's a punk. And uh, that's, uh, I guess that's all I have to say. There's an expression. Karma's a you-know-what, and Tim Anderson is the biggest you-know-what in baseball. Honestly, like, this guy should be so embarrassed because Jose Bautista at least stood up. Tim Anderson went right down. Like, that is, that's it, man. Like, Tim Anderson, the way that he went down is the story of this man's career. The highlight of his career was a couple years ago, that Field of Dreams moment. He's really been a below average player his entire career. He's had a couple, you know, above 300 batting average seasons. He's never played a full season. He can't stay healthy. He's overrated. Chicago should be embarrassed. Like, get this bum out of there. Send him somewhere else. That's my two cents on that. Uh, anything else you want to add, Terry? Big old smile on your I face. I could go on and on, but uh, I'll pass it over to Cody. Perfect. Cody, who is your dud for this series? My dud for this series is Alex Cora. Um, to kind of paint a picture, this was probably the biggest series to date on the schedule so far in this season, right? You know, as Terry had mentioned, 
Uh, previously going into it, just two games back in the wild card with Toronto, undefeated against them all season, really could make kind of a statement, right? Like, hey, we got the right guys that we need in the clubhouse. This is the this is the batch of dudes that we're going to take to the postseason if we're going to make this push. We don't need anybody else. We got who we need. And this team pretty much did not show up for the whole weekend, right? It started with you know, the leadoff homer on the first pitch from Paxton to, to Merrifield, and it just got progressively uglier. The entire uh, in the entire series, right? Um, you know, got down early in game one, never really had a chance to get back. Game two, we were in it, had a chance to win it. Cora managed his way out of that one, uh, you know, taking a stealing a loss out of a victory, in my opinion. And then game three was obviously just a shellacking top to bottom. Um, I don't want to hear the narrative that this team is not competitive. I don't want to hear the narrative that, you know, we don't have the players that are um, needed to win, right? We have a great record against teams that are above 500. We were 7-0 and against the Blue Jays the entire season. This team roster construction has only gotten better in any, in any capacity, right, short of, you know, Sale and Whitlock being injured. And this entire team just was not there at all this weekend. Cora in the past has you know, rally the guys, got them to fight, you know, had them be competitive. And I don't think he held up his end of the bargain uh, this series. Um, and that doesn't even get into the whole Verdugo debacle, which to my understanding, Verdugo showed up two hours before pregame versus four hours and Cora benched him, didn't offer any um, explanation to the media, allowed it to become a big thing. And I'm sick of Cora's antics at this point. I'm sick of him always picking fights with with guys that everybody seemingly loves in the clubhouse. Um, so for me, you know, Cora, I don't think had a good series. He hasn't had a good season. Um, uh, I'm out on him, but that's neither here nor there. He was my dud. Terry. Not a good weekend. And you see Alex Cora's interview, uh, or I should say press conference after the game on Saturday and he was about as animated as we've ever seen him. He called it the worst loss of his entire run in Boston going back to 2018. And there's just a lot of failures going on right now. And we're going to get into more of that with Charlie. So I'll, I'll hold off on that aspect of it. But it, it just seems like he's lost the clubhouse, you know, and... Verdugo showing up two hours late. I, I've been questioning it for a month. Why hasn't he been extended? What's going on? What don't we know about Alex Verdugo that is preventing the Red Sox from making a long-term investment in him? And, you know, maybe he's got some some quirks behind the scenes. Maybe he's late a lot. I, I don't know. And perhaps we'll never know. But it was kind of interesting. And Verdugo was in the lineup originally. He was in the lineup. And then he shows up late and then he's scratched. And the beat writers were really questioning it. They're like, it's a mystery. Nobody knows why. And I'm immediately thinking, you know how my brain works. I'm like, okay, well, it could be injury related. Maybe he's been placed on administrative leave. Maybe that's it. You know, that would be the extreme opposite end. And there's stories about Alex Verdugo involved in some shady stuff uh, out in L.A. Those are out there if you want to Google them. And, you know, apparently the Red Sox were comfortable that, you know, he, he wasn't too involved in anything. But 
Um, but still, so, you know, when Verdugo's scratched and the beat writers are really questioning it and making it a big thing for an hour long leading up to the game and, and there's no answers, it's it's curious. And if if Alex Verdugo, excuse me, if Alex Cora can't get through to Alex Verdugo, I mean, that's a failure of leadership to me. Another thing I found interesting, I think I posted it in the war room for you guys to see. The War Room is our, our group chat on social media for uh, the listening audience. That's where all of us share, you know, breaking news. We react to it and, you know, we'll, you know, map out each show uh, from in there. But uh, but I posted in there a snippet of Connor Wong's post game, and the camera caught Cutter Crawford uh, shirtless and uh, basically I think in his underwear making like this goofy animated face, just kind of like goofing off in the corner uh, after the worst loss of the season. That's to me that this is just, it's further underscoring how Alex Cora doesn't have control of that clubhouse. And I I think he should be gone. I, I can't wait for the Alex Cora era to end. And I think we all differ on Bloom. You know, we're all, you know, we're about 50-50 on whether we want him gone or not. But I think Alex Core is the one guy where we're all unified. There's not one hardcore Alex Cora defender on this crew. And he's not winning us over. So, not a good weekend. Not at all. I mean, for me, it's just, you want to talk about loss of leadership and loss of kind of order. On June 29th, the Red Sox had lost seven of their last eight games. There were two games under 500. And then there was kind of like this resurgence where we had these, you know, back-to-back win streaks and things are going great. We've now won 11 of 13. And here we are, middle of July, we're seven games over 500. Things are going great. Then we somehow managed to lose two out of three against Oakland. The win streak comes back. We're now nine games over 500 after the first game against San Francisco. We've now lost seven of our last eight again with major concerns. You have lost your team. Your manager's not loved at all by, I think, any of these guys. The fans are upset. The team is upset. You got players that are getting benched, as you just were talking about, Terry, after originally being in the starting lineup and then getting removed from it. You're now sitting a couple games over 500. You're five games out of the wild card game. You just got swept by your divisional opponents, and you were outscored 25 to 8. If this does not signal red flags and warning flags of we need help and there are issues, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're watching, not sure what you're listening to, but good God, everything that we built, everything that we worked so hard for, this team has worked so hard for, just got flushed down the toilet. You just lost seven games out of your last eight after winning five in a row, sweeping Atlanta, one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. Now you're going to face Kansas City, Detroit, Washington. Honestly, it's going to be really hard to, to... to pick the Red Sox to win consistently because your offense has fallen flat. Your defense is still making some silly mistakes. Your, your starters, which are your relievers, 
in some of these games are getting absolutely destroyed. There is a major, major issue in the clubhouse that still hasn't been publicly addressed. I would not be shocked to hear one or two players out Alex Cora saying, it's just mayhem. It's an absolute mess. Everything that could possibly go wrong is seeming to go wrong for Boston right now. And it's very difficult. It's very hard. Yeah, T. The Red Sox have a, a few easy series coming up. Uh, w- well, I should say series that should be easy. Um, after losing two to Oakland uh, last month and kind of coming in cold uh, to this easy stretch, who really knows uh, You know how many games they'll win. Here's Toronto's schedule. Four against Cleveland coming up. You have three against the Cubs. Cubs have actually been hot lately, so may, perhaps that won't be too easy. Two against the Phillies. They're playing pretty well. But then they have a series against the Reds, who have lost six in a row. Series against Baltimore. Then they get three more against Cleveland uh, starting on the 25th of the month. And then they have the Washington Nationals for three games just like we do. I'm flipping over to September right now. I haven't even looked at it. Oh, wow. They've got the easiest schedule for probably the remainder of the year. They got three against the Rockies, three against the Athletics, three against the Royals. This is September. Gets a little bit harder there, but uh, you got you got four against Texas, three more against us. Theoretically, I don't know if that's going to be easy or hard by that point. Three more against New York, Tampa, New York again, and then Tampa. So their schedule isn't that bad for the remainder of the month, uh, for the remainder of the season. I, I would say they probably have an easier schedule. We have a fairly brutal September schedule. So it's not looking good. So to be five games back from them and their schedule is easier, again, not good. Not at all. And here's the other thing, too. We're just talking about Kansas City, Detroit, Washington. That's a 10-game spread. After that, you've got New York for three, the Dodgers for three, and the Houston Astros for seven. And here's the thing. Giancarlo Stanton may not know how to run the bases that well. Can certainly hit home runs. And I don't like that series all that much. They definitely want to become relevant again. That's going to happen. So you've now got 13 games going up against bangers. I, I would not be surprised if after August 30th, the Red Sox are below 500 again. I would not be surprised. Yeah, T. I had to sing Sweet Caroline at Fenway Park 17 seconds after a um, Stanton Grand Slam off of Darwin's and Hernandez. So Was that the game that we went? Oh, no, no. That was the game after you and I went to. The night after, yes. Yeah, yeah, that that was the day we saw uh, Evaldi kind of forget how to be a pitcher, which was tough because it was his worst career appearance. Um, my dud for this series, uh, you know, it's crazy. We're, we're kind of not going to talk about the players because, let's be honest, they've been hit pretty hard the last couple days. My dud for this is none other than the Boston Red Sox third base coach, Carlos Fables, who in the bottom of the ninth with one out and a runner in scoring position – in his infinite bleeping wisdom, decided to have him come around, bring bring Reese McGuire, who's not Jaron Duran, around instead of 
tagging up from second and waiting to see if that ball was indeed going to be caught or not. And at that moment, when the ball was not a wall ball or off the ground, the Red Sox, I feel bad for Colton Wong. Colton Wong hits a deep fly to center field, at which point McGuire's already passed third. They, are eas- they easily double him off at base, and you now have one out, two on, two, game over. And to me, that's the most embarrassing base running gaffe ever. I don't understand how, as a professional coach, as a professional former baseball player, you make that mistake. It absolutely blows my mind. When I watched it on replay, the only thing that went through my mind was that was the most Boston Red Sox 2023 thing ever. That is embarrassing. I'm not angry because I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm just disappointed. The fact that that happened was embarrassing. That it should be a fireable offense. Babies is probably going to be gone this year. Cora, gone. Bloom, gone. Verdugo, because we don't know what's going on with him, he's probably gone. Like, I mean, what a mess. What an absolute mess. I mean, how hard is it to just wait, be patient? Do you have to go to the bathroom or something? Like, what is your excuse? Why in the world would you have Reese McGuire coming more than halfway past second base? That is, not, You don't see the outfielders turning around waiting for the ball to come off the wall. Like There was a 50% chance that ball was not going to hit off the wall. Connor Wong is not Rafael Devers. It just, it, it's, it's a stupid, stupid decision by Fables. One that to me is unforgivable and fireable because he's had more than one issue at third base. I, I, I don't think he's a good third base coach. I will leave it there. Uh, Cody, anything you want to add? Yeah, I you know I was sitting there watching the game, and I think you and I were actually on the phone at this point, um, which was we were you know, an ironic uh, moment in time. But I was watching the top of the ninth, right? I think the Blue Jays had the bases loaded, fly out to right, wasn't particularly deep enough to make it a sacrifice fly. They kind of do like the half run down the third baseline as you do, right? Make them throw it home, just kind of see what happens, right? Maybe, you know, put some pressure on the defense, a loose ball scrambles away or whatever. And we caught the guy leading off second sleeping and we get him in a rundown. So it's a fly out to right field double play. And I just remember thinking to myself, ha, like what idiots? How could you possibly get caught in a situation like this? You had the bases loaded. You could put the game away. Uh, Joe, Jackie's, Jake's, I can't pronounce his last name confidently. I apologize. Shouldn't have been in the game, but, you know, I digress. So that went from a 4-3 game in the ninth to a 5-3 game. And then in the bottom of the ninth, we're rallying. We're making some noise, right? Urias has the the ground ball through the left-hand side to make it 5-4. Connor Wong is up, two on, one out. And it's kind of what we've been talking about all season. Like, this team lacks fundamentals, right? That rolls up to the coach, you know, the managers. What else are you doing if you can't instill fundamentals and – and just good baseball. Don't make these boneheaded, unforced errors, right? Like, put it on Faye Blaze. Sure, he shouldn't have told him to round third and keep running. But it's also on McGuire to not also judge that ball off the bat. Like, he took off and got to third base to get the round sign. Like, why wasn't he also closer to second base? 
Fabulous has been a disaster for a long time, absolutely. But this this team continuously shoots itself in the foot. And it was just extra embarrassing because we were riding the quote-unquote high of laughing at Toronto no more than five minutes earlier for doing the same exact thing. And we're like, but what if we did it to end the game? Well, you know, hold my beer. We'll one-up you guys. It, it was just an absolute – it took the wind out of yourselves. Like, everybody was just sitting there stunned. Like, did this really happen? Like, how how did we run ourselves out of a, out of a victory or a chance to win this game? You know, I, I'm going to say this much about Reese McGuire. I don't think Reese McGuire is just a very smart person. I mean, Reese McGuire, before he joined the Boston Red Sox, got into some legal issues because he was caught choking. How do his, I say this? Choking his chicken. Okay, thank you, Terry. I, I, I'm trying to figure out a diplomatic, G-rated version to find that exact expression in public, in a public park either drunk or high and whatever. And here's the thing. I don't care if you get drunk. I don't think, I, I don't care if you smoke weed. I don't think that enhances your performance to perform the game. But why you would go into a park and do that is just dumb. It's just dumb. And you should know as not the fastest guy, you're not the fastest catcher on your team. You're probably bottom three on the team for speed. Why in the world you would think, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm totally going to trust the guy at third base. Like, yeah, yeah, he, 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 he knows what's going on. He's, he's made zero mistakes this year. I should trust myself. I'm not a fast guy. What if it does get caught? And he was just full trust, excuse me, full trust of Fables. And I just, I don't think that he's a good baseball player. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a smart human being. I don't think he's a smart baseball player. So Reese McGuire just gaffed really hard. He just, I mean, just stupid, stupid, just dumb, just really dumb base running. Terry. So, you know, the coaching is a problem here. Um, you know, third base coach, Carlos Febles, you guys underscored it. Totally an epic mishap there. You also have Dave Bush, who I've been a huge critic of the last couple of years. Terrible pitching coach. One of the, you know, probably one of the worst we've had. I mean, we did win a, a World Series with Juan Nieves. Uh, Carl Willis was a, was a very good pitching coach uh, the years he was here. And he continues to be, um, you know, the, the longtime pitching pitching coach uh, in Cleveland. I think they actually hired him literally days after he was fired mid-season. You know, and and he's produced several Cy Youngs throughout his career, at least a few. I know CC Sabathia was one of them. Uh Rick Porcello with the Red Sox that was under um Carl Willis. Uh you know, we've had some really and John Farrell was a good pitching coach. As much as I hated him as a manager, and as bad as we criticize Alex Cora, I'm I'm never going to dislike Alex Cora more than I dislike John Farrell. John Farrell will always be my least favorite, even more so than Valentine, because Valentine was brief. You know, you, you had to put up with him for a year. You knew by, you know, early summer he wasn't going to be back, most likely. Um, you know, so... So the bad coaching is just, it's a big part of it. You've got, you know, a general manager slash president, whatever, in bloom. You know, can't build a pitching staff. 
It's taken Bloom four years to get decent prospects in A ball. Okay, which means they're at least another three years out from, you know, the big leagues. Uh, no rotations, you know, in the Bloom era. So you got that. You got the coaching. You've got the players. You've got players playing positions they have no business playing. We just saw that with Kike Hernandez, who's on fire out in uh, Los Angeles, by the way, since being traded. Uh, I'm pulling up Brazier's numbers right now. He did give up a home run tonight, but he has a 0.95 ERA with the Dodgers. Uh, Lance Lynn recently traded to the Dodgers. Um, you know, they fixed him. The Dodgers are just superior compared to the Red Sox when it comes to coaching. And, uh, you know, Feeblis, just another another bad coach on, on a team of, of bad coaching. Yeah, I hate to say that I called the Kike Hernandez figuring it out when he got to L.A., but I told you so. For those that thought that he was done or just garbage or whatever was going through your mind, you're an idiot. Uh, and Brazier is, you know, incredibly frustrating. But, you know, being out here in L.A., I'm getting to see him pitch quite a bit. And he's he's not the best. He's definitely not the best pitcher on this staff. Um, but he figured it out. And he did what he couldn't do in Boston, which was be good. And, uh, you know, we appreciate him for what he was able to do. But now, you know, as Terry just talked about, he's really figured himself out as a member of the Dodgers with a ridiculous ERA. I mean, his ERA was over seven as a member of the Red Sox this year. It was almost six last year. And this year it's humming around one. So clearly they're doing something right over there. We are not doing something right over here, but that's no secret. So um, credit Brazier, credit Kike for both doing well. Disappointing that our team is just falling flat on its face. Uh, as far as honorable mentions, dishonorable. there are so, yeah, yeah, so dishonorable mentions. Thank you, T. Um, there are so many to name. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I know that, you know, obviously it'd be a shame to not mention Murphy. Murphy saw his ERA jump to well over three. This is someone who has been incredibly dependent for the Boston Red Sox, had an ERA under two, it was like one and a half. And he got absolutely destroyed in the third game of the series, giving up six runs and two and a third. Um, the pitcher that we got from the Giants, Mauricio Yovera, also got absolutely shelled for two games in this series, and we saw his ERA jump from 1.17 to a disgusting 6.97. And you're starting to see all of the chips fall where all the players we added are not getting it done, and all the people we let go are figuring it out. Bloom is continuing to look like a complete moron. I mean, it just for those that support Bloom... I, Get your head checked. Literally get your head checked because I, I don't know what's going through your mind. And we've worked with people like that that are just complete idiots. Uh, they just don't get it. They, they don't understand it. And I'm not going to blame Pavetta for doing poorly. He's been an absolute rock star for our team. But, you know, even Paxton got shelled. Three homers and five innings of work. There, there were so many just disappointing performances for this team all around. I give certain players a pass. Justin Turner could go 0 for 12 with eight strikeouts. He's getting a pass just because of how valuable or invaluable he's been to this entire team. But I mean, literally 90% of this team, dishonorable mention. Anybody in, you know, specifically you guys wanted to call out? 
Well, I just want to say I didn't think it was a great outing for Pavetta. And you can look at the three runs in four innings, but the the two strikeouts that he had, I mean, that guy's been a strikeout machine. So I, I think that's the the glaring part of it, you know, that kind of underscores the fact that his outing wasn't good. Another guy who has sucked epically just about every time he's uh, come out is um, Richard Blyer, just lefty out of the pen. Terrible, you know, gave up uh, an earned run in uh, both of his outings this series. Let me go back to the last series real quick. Uh, Gave up two earned runs in game three of the Giants uh, series, or that was the Mariners, excuse me. Uh, and then scoreless uh, in his one outing uh, against San Francisco, but still not good. He's he's a guy. If you if you're trying to keep the game close, it's not going to be close by the time he gets pulled out of the game. So Red Sox pitching just isn't good. You're going to get Whitlock back. He Cora said he's essentially going to be utilized as a reliever for the rest of the year, and quite frankly, hopefully for the rest of his career at this point. Keep him healthy. You're going to get Tanner Houck back, uh, most likely, uh, you know, as as a bulk guy, at least to start. But, man, it's uh, it's been ugly the last week and a half. Absolutely. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. Uh, for our studs, uh, <laughs> it's been fun. Um, why don't you lead us off, Terry, with our first stud of the series? Not going to spend a ton of time on it because we did get swept. So, um, But I will say the three-run home run by Devers on Saturday was impressive. It was more of a golf swing. The ball was pretty low in the zone, and uh, Devers still managed to make really hard contact on it. Uh, it was a three-run shot that tied the game at three to three, so it was looking promising uh, after after he hit that, but um, it was all for naught. And and Barrios, by the way, that was the Barrios game, and he hit it off of Barrios. We have tattooed him over his career, so it was a very favorable matchup for us, and we didn't get it done. Cody. It's been nice having a player in the lineup again when there's a, a big moment, he's in the spot, and you just have that feeling that he's going to come through, right? When when Devers kind of came up in that spot, you saw the count getting worked, and you're like, man, there's a good chance. Like I just had that feeling like he might he might go yard here. And, you know, sure enough, he had a home run on the ball that pretty much only he can hit a home run on because he loves that ball low and inside, well below the strike zone. Um, and, you know... He, he's continued to kind of keep his head down and, and work and produce throughout all the chaos that the season has been right. The ups, the downs, the win streaks, the losing streaks. Um, you know, he might not be the most consistent. This might not be his most consistent year, but his numbers are still there, right? You know, 270, close to 30 bombs, almost a hundred RBIs already. Um, and, you know, I think he's doing as much as he can. And, you know, you really see his importance to this offense because when he's not going well, this lineup does not produce, does not score runs. This offense doesn't uh, doesn't pick him up. So, um, I, you know, I think he had a, obviously a tremendous series comparatively. Uh, that 3-1 shot was, uh, was a shot of life, albeit squandered. Terry. 
No, he was my stud. I'm good. So I get to go and talk about this. I don't know where this team would be without Devers right now. He has almost matched his numbers from last year. We've seen the batting average slowly start to creep up. It is still well below his average. Um, he's, he's not a 300 hitter, but you know, the past couple of years we've been seeing, you know, two eighties, two nineties, close to 300 last year, only 27 home runs right now. He's had 150 less at bats. He's one home run under his mark from all of last year. He's definitely going to be in that, that conversation for 40 homers and hundred RBIs. I think he's going to exceed expectations as far as those two numbers are concerned. The doubles kind of fell off, but it's going to be really hard unless Devers really strikes out in every single at bat. There's so much power in his bat that if he can get a hold of one, that's you know that's literally it. And you know, in that second game, it was a no doubter. You know, there's really I don't think we're ever going to see Rafael Devers hit a home run that's questionable. And that's that's the thing when it comes to someone with that kind of power. Um, I hope that he can build on it. You know, he didn't have a, a crap series. He was really one of the only bright spots of the entire series. Uh, he's going to continue to do his thing. He's the leader of this team. Anything else that we want to add before we move on? Perfect. Cody, who's your sub? My sub for this series was Urias, uh, Luis Urias, the recently acquired uh, second baseman. Um, I thought, you know, he made impact plays immediately. Uh, he raised his average from like 150 to 180. I think he was what four for 11 for the series with an RBI knock, um, you know, had a walk, a couple of strikeouts, but, uh, it's just an impact player right out the gate. Right. You know, he had some injuries this season. He hasn't, you know, been in, in the form that he had normally been. Um, but you know, to get him in, in the system, get him into the game already, and to see him make plays was great. And most importantly, he made no errors, right? Um, not a lot of positive uh, from the weekend, but, you know, to see a new guy come in and already start winning over some fans by producing, I think, is, is off to a good start. I would agree with you. Terry? I think Alex Cora owed it to us to let him pitch the ninth because we needed a pitching acquisition golden opportunity to, to showcase your recent trade as a pitcher. Uh, but he went with Reyes who pitched a scoreless inning, uh, in the finale. Um, but as far as Arias goes, we DFA'd Christian Arroyo to, to make room for him on the 26 man roster. Um, he's had some pop throughout his career. Um, 2021, he hit 23 home runs. 2022, uh, last season, not quite as robust, hit 16. So there is a little bit of pop in that bat. Uh, he does draw a lot of walks, which I personally like. So we'll, we'll see. He's not a long-term guy by any means because we do have some middle infielders in the upper levels of the minors. I would expect perhaps by mid-season, mid to late season, I should say next year, you you will see Marcelo Meyer and uh, potentially Nick York as well. Um, but in the meantime, Arias is controllable uh, through 2025, and we'll we'll take what we can get. I still don't even know what we gave up for him, but it, it wasn't much. This is a guy who really had a crazy like one or two year span for Milwaukee. And you thought, wow, imagine what could happen for this kid if he can actually build on this. But he kind of 
fell apart very quickly in less than two years to the point where even Milwaukee was like, you know what, we're not, we're good. You can have them. And four for 11, Cody, as you mentioned, a uh, pretty good series, a uh, couple singles, double drew a walk as well, scored a run. So for someone who's not going to be expected, excuse me, to be the uh, absolute leader, as far as hits are concerned, knocking in runs and everything. I think he did pretty well considering this entire series against Toronto was an absolute crapshoot. Um, my dud, or excuse me, stud, my brain is on dud since the Red Sox did so poorly. Uh, my stud for this series is Jaron Durand, who had a really good first game, uh, three for four in that first game, unfortunately 0 for nine with four strikeouts in the, in the latter two games, but did have a home run, a couple singles scored a run, obviously in that home run, um, three for 13 overall, but seriously with so many, you know, limited bright spots as far as the studs are concerned. I'm going to give Jaron a pass here. He's been an absolute star for us and one of the players that I had to have my mail Copa and apologize because he's been absolute, he's been gold this year. So Jaron Duran, my stud. Uh, Cody. I mean, even on balls that he's not getting on base on, he's still hitting them hard, right? You know, the, the four strikeouts are obviously not ideal, but it comes and goes to the territory. Hitting baseball is damn near impossible. And the fact that people do it all the time <laughs> continues to amaze me. So, um, you know, he is so dynamic. He affects the game in so many different ways. You know, I think he's going to set the MLB record for extra base hits that should have been, you know, single base hits, right? Like the guy turns a single into a double seemingly once a game. Um, I'm fine keeping him as a, as a stud pretty much the rest of the season. He is over... Uh, achieved in our expectations and what we thought we could have gotten out of him. So, yes, definitely stud-worthy. Terry? I, I just – the only thing I've got left to add, I, I did mention uh, Christian Arroyo. Uh, he actually cleared waivers today and was outrighted to Worcester. I found it interesting that nobody wanted him, uh, you know, because you would figure somebody could use a, a pretty solid – you know, middle infielder uh, from a defensive standpoint. And I kind of wondered if a change in scenery may uh, potentially spark some offense, uh, you know, depending on the team and, and what their situation is. But that will not be the case for him. He is now uh, with the uh, Worcester Woo Sox. I've been adamant that Arroyo was not a major leaguer and it does not surprise me that 29 other teams also felt and thought the same as I did. The guy is just, he's just, he's like wet paint. He's there. You have to deal with it and you just have to wait. But at the end of the day, just not going to get it done. Very few other studs, you know, um, you know, you and I differ Terry on that with uh, Pavetta's performance. Pavetta has been a strikeout guy, um, but literally of the, Pitchers that we saw, you know, Winkowski and Martin both did okay, but I want to give Pavetta like a little bit more leash because of the pitchers not named James Paxton, that was the longest guy as far as pitchers went. Three runs on six hits, not great, but you know what? Every pitcher is going to have a clunker every now and again. So Pavetta, I actually did put in my, you know, semi dud category or stud category dud. I, I could, I see it, but. Other than that, it was just so incredibly quiet. Anybody else you guys wanted to shout out? Right on. Well, that is going to do it for all of us. For our first-time listeners and our loyal listeners, we want to thank and appreciate all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.